And just want to take a second and thank Policy Genius. They're supporting today's episode of Success Story. I know we all have kids. We all have families we want to take care of. And I personally check something off major on my to-do list, life insurance. It's a tough topic. It's really hard to think about, but it's so important. And the hard part was sorting through all the options. Luckily, I found Policy Genius. Policy Genius is an online insurance marketplace that makes getting life insurance surprisingly easy. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for a million dollars of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Now, knowing my family's protected brings me incredible peace of mind. Don't put off this important decision. Check life insurance off your to-do list in no time with Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. Welcome to Success Story, the most useful podcast in the world. I'm your host, Scott D. Clary, and today I am interviewing and sitting down with Chris Upperman. Chris had an incredible career, and he still does. He walks through his entire story, how he worked in the Obama administration, how he worked for the Biden-Harris transition team, and also how he holds his current role, which is the manager of governance and strategic initiatives for Facebook, while also holding multiple board seats, uh, most recently sitting on the advisory board as chairman for Law Champs, as well as sitting as a member on Law Champs board of directors. Chris is an incredible guy. He has an incredible story. He has a lot of lessons to teach over besides the fact that just walking through some of the stuff that he's done in his career is already mind-blowing. Um, this episode is sponsored by Gusto. So thank you, Gusto. They are your one-stop shop for all payroll solutions. So if you are working in a business or on a business and you want less headache, stay tuned, stick around till halfway through the show, and they have a special offer for all the Success Story podcast listeners. Thanks again for joining me. Today, I am sitting down with a very special guest, Chris Upperman. He is currently the manager of governance and strategic initiatives for Facebook, including working with their oversight board. Uh, previous to his role at Facebook, he has worked in the Obama administration, and he also worked on the Biden-Harris transition team. Chris serves on several advisory councils, including uh, Obama Foundation's My Brother's Keeper Alliance, the National Black MBA Association, NextGen Chamber of Commerce. He was most recently named chairman of the advisory board of Law Champs. We're going to talk about what Law Champs is, um, as well as the member of its board of directors and was a Center for American Progress Leadership Institute Fellow in 2012, graduated from Georgia State University, received a Bachelor of Arts in Sociology, and was honored by the university, receiving a 40 under 40 in 2019. Chris, incredible <laughs> resume. Thank you so much for having you know having a couple minutes to chat. Absolutely. Um, this is this is uh, this was a very exciting interview for me because the fact that you have done so much in terms of your own career, but uh, you're also obviously very altruistic in the fact that you give back a lot. Um, and all the boards that you sit on, and you know some some I recognize, some I I want you to tell me what they are. But let's like backtrack a little bit because you don't you know you don't graduate. And, and jump into all this day one. So walk me through, walk me through your career. Walk me through where yeah. you started and, and how you got here. Wow, that's a, that's a really, really uh, tall order here. Um, but no, I appreciate this opportunity, Scott. It's a pleasure to, uh, to, to meet you. 
Um, you know, I've heard great things about the podcast, and so I'm honored to be here and, and share a little bit about my background. Um, this is what I'll say. Um, I'm from Kennesaw, Georgia. That's where I grew up outside of Atlanta. Um, you know, where I'm at today, how I'm sitting uh, in this in this seat today, there are many moments that I just honestly couldn't believe uh, that I'd be at a, at a place uh, such as this. Um, and what I'll say up front, because I'm really big on themes, I'm really big on kind of uh, things that kind of carry me into uh, the moment that I'm in. And I had a father, uh, God rest his soul, uh, who was in the military, um, was a deep man of faith. My mother's a, a woman of faith as well. And so uh, I learned hard work pays, you know, it pays off. Hard work pays off and staying focused and um, delaying gratification. Um, you know, it, it, it's funny that you kind of like go through the arc of my uh, resume and accomplishments and all these kind of words and things of this nature. And really what it doesn't show is actually a lot of the kind of like ups and downs, the, the challenges, the like moments, those kind of like, you know, valleys that you may go through. Um, and, and, and I think what I really want to focus on as it relates to kind of each of these things that I've done is how uh, resilience has played a key factor in all of these things. Because um, let, let's say I went to Georgia State University. I love uh, Georgia State Panthers. Uh, it's situated in Atlanta, Georgia, downtown Atlanta, around the corner from the Capitol. Um, and I was in, uh, you know, university at the height of the early 2000s. The Atlanta night scene was wild. Um, I started a company uh, with my with my close friends to this day. Um, we were doing marketing promotions and events. Um, and we were just out here just trying to do our thing. You know, went through my Georgia State uh, years I was an individual. I worked full time while I was in college. Um, and so, um, you know, I come from a very, I would say, solidly middle class. I mean, some probably would consider it maybe you know, lower middle class, but whatever. Um, parents, my dad was in the Navy. My mother, um, and then when retired, actually became a, a school bus driver uh, for the local uh, school um, district that I was in. And my brother, my young brother, um, we then went into um a lot of community service in the in the community that I grew up in. Um, and so all of this kind of played back when I got to yeah. Georgia State because I was already working full time uh, coming into Georgia State. Uh, and as I finished uh, my undergrad studies, I was working at Bank of America at the, at the time. And this was going right into the economic recession, the financial crisis. Um, I was at Bank of America. I was a credit analyst. Um, I had started out in credit card sales and it was rough at that point in time because I could see the writing on the wall. I could see everything that was going on. We were dealing with, you know, I was doing initially, as many people know, balance transfers, credit card sales, these types of things. And um, I saw it. And every day I was coming into work, I was saying, look, um, I think there's more that I want to do. Um, I was finishing school. And at the same time, um, at the time, candidate uh, Barack Obama was running for office. He's running to be president of the United States. And it's not a secret, you know, not a lot of black people at that time. So early on um, believed, actually, that a black man could actually become a president. And so there was a lot of bewilderment initially when he was running. Um, but I was very inspired by him. I knew that there was an opportunity and I, I, I truly felt that this kind of like moment, there was a juxtaposition of like my faith, 
my perseverance, this idea of like, uh, okay, there's this government thing. Let's think a little bit more about government. My mother had worked for the IRS and she was currently, you know, an employee at the time or she was an employee at the time. And so I was like, okay, let's see how this thing goes. Then he gets elected, he wins. And it's like, whoa, okay, this is a real thing. I just remember very, very uh, clearly, I just, something laid on my heart, you know, move to DC, pack up everything, just move to DC, apply to the White House internship program. And, you know, let's see what we can make of that, that whole situation. I remember telling my um, now wife at the time, girlfriend, and she was like, go for it. Hey, <laughs> I mean, go for it. She, you know, it was like, okay, let's see how this, I mean, DC and the White House, all these things we don't really have connections to, but like, go for it. I told my parents and they were like, whoa, okay. Like once again, go for it. No connections to that world. Um, I came into the job that I had at the time and people were like, you and like, come on, that's, that's for other people. That's Washington, D.C. You don't have any connections, all these types of things. And at that point, I was like, OK, like, I think I actually feel something here. I feel I feel kind of a way about that. So what I then decided to do was just say, like, let's talk to you know a couple of other people who I feel are close confidants and get their take. Obviously, I'd already spoken, like I said, with my like, wife, now wife, and my parents. I applied. I did not get into the White House internship program immediately. I did not get in. I got in at the time what was called an associate program, which is like a sub tier. Because as you can probably remember, you know, Barack Obama presidency, you know, historic, you know, yeah. everybody wants to descend on Washington, D.C., you know, either work for this man or work in the cities, all this energy that's coming there. And I didn't get in initially. And I said, you know, what? oh, well, let's like let's just see if we can make it work. Uh, I was very blessed and fortunate. My wife's um, aunt lives in in Maryland and she had a home that I could stay in. And so. We uh, worked out a situation where I could live with her for a, a period of time, and I just I just went for broke, packed up my <laughs> uh, packed up my my vehicle, and I drove up here, and kind of the rest is history. I mean, obviously there's more to it, and I'm happy to dive in, but that's really there. That was a pivotal moment, uh, professionally and personally, because I basically threw caution to the wind. Um, I trusted my gut. I uh, it's it already mentioned I'm a man of faith. And so that there were some elements that I was like, I feel like there's something here. I had kind of gotten this, this, this indication that this is the kind of direction that you need to move in. And I, you know, there's going to be some great things that can come from this. And I listened. And so I came here and, oh man, I lived almost an hour and change outside of DC. And for anyone that doesn't know, DC has got, you know, not the greatest uh, traffic, uh, no different than Atlanta, no different than LA, some of these places. And so I just did that for like a full, um, initially a full four, four, I did four months in this associate program in the mailroom, literally the actual. And this associate program, it's not promising you anything, I'm assuming. It is. Like there's, there's no, is there's, is there even a salary involved at this point? Oh, it's like an internship. There, is, there is no salary. This, this is even, <laughs> even if there was a promise of a salary as an intern, which it doesn't, the White House internship program does not pay. Um, there is even less of an opportunity of even thinking you get paid in this because you're just a sub tier. You're basically like, okay, we had, you know, 10,000 applicants, we can't serve all of those individuals. And okay, your application might've flagged and it might've been something we wanted to do, but just not enough spaces. But hey, we got some mail that we still have to sort over here. <laughs> are, you willing to, are you willing to take that? And I said, yes, I'm willing to take that. 
Um, and that was a, a really pivotal moment because I got my foot in the door. Um, I got into the Office of Presidential Correspondence, um, sorting mail, literally sorting mail. At that point in time, um, President Barack Obama had more hard mail than uh, George Bush had received in his uh, last entire four years of wow. his term. Um, and so like, and that well, was- Well, it's historical, it, it, you know, people were excited about this. So, but you don't think about, you don't think about that side of it either. So that was your job. That was my job every day, waking up, coming in, coming in, reading mail, um, working with volunteers that come in and do this. And I learned a lot. I didn't know actually there were volunteers who, who do this across uh, all administrations. Um, you know, they, they are the, they are tireless and fearless individuals. A lot of them are uh, retirees, people who work in government who could come in and do some hours during uh, early in the morning or late in the afternoon or, uh, in, you know, lunch break and things mm -hmm. of this nature. And they read the mail. Um, and at the time, what was really uh, impressive about this was not only was it a historical moment um, for the president, he prioritized mail. So many people kind of reflect on this like 10 letters a day. I don't know if you remember that. But he used to read mm -hmm. 10 letters a day from our office. Like we would sort through and things that kind of would percolate up to that level. And um, so we felt real special being there because once again, this is the mailroom. Um, but he prioritized actually seeing letters so that he could stay grounded and that he could mm -hmm. actually respond in real time as, instead of just being up on the lectern saying, you know, yeah. a presidential address and things of this nature. So, so that was that was a very pivotal point in your career. All right, so it's getting started. You're not getting paid yet. You're just uh, doing this. You're just doing this paid. for the love of it. it you was, feel a it calling. Was, it was it was rough. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was rough. No, was that's rough. that's not easy. But you know what? Like, and I appreciate you. You're doing my job for me because you're outlining all the things. Like, you're very self-aware of the of the different mindsets that pushed you to do this. But ultimately, this is what led you down your career path and has led you to where you are today. Yes. So, yes, major risk, but obviously, you know, it's 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 worked out. So, uh, OK, so that's so that's you in the mailroom. Um, when do you start getting paid? When when's your <laughs> <laughs> you want to know what's funny about that? Not yeah. for if I'm doing my math right, not for another seven to eight and a half months. Oh um, boy! Because at right. that point, you got some good family then, or yeah, yeah. Oh, you I got did. some well, look, I, I, I told you I married my wife, right? She was my girlfriend <laughs> yeah, yeah. at the time, and she was, you know, taking care of me a, a bit. Parents was throwing me a little bit of money here and there, honestly. But they believed in the dream. They believed in what I, I, I was so inspired and enthusiastic. And the, what was the dream? What was the dream? You know, the dream was actually um, Chris Upperman has an opportunity to give back be engaged in this like civic engagement ecosystem. Mm -hmm. And the dream on top of that was to then potentially then bring that back to communities that matter most to me. So once again, I'd share with you before, right? Like I don't come from a family of politics. Um, I, I absolutely don't come from a family of, you know, the White House and Congress, Capitol Hills, senators, you know, you know, foreign dignitaries, you know, cabinet secretaries. I don't come from that. What's changed since I've been here in Washington, D.C. for the last 13, 14 years has been moments where I've actually been in front of audiences and telling them ways in which they need to get engaged via, you know, getting out the vote and voting. Um, you know, how do you engage with your member of Congress so that they can hear your voice? Um, you know, the district offices that most uh, members of Congress have that you can go in and actually, uh, you know, 
address, get some of the your, your kind of local issues addressed. Um, speaking, you know, being in rooms with elected officials, politicians, presidents, you know, mm-hmm. as you can probably see right behind me. Um, yeah, yeah. To then be able to advise back from that same community, this is what matters most to us, and this is what in government in this moment you all should be mindful of. Because I think this is kind of the piece that, I mean, you know, and I think there are many people who kind of feel this way now on, on all the, the political spectrum is that government at times isn't as responsive. And so I felt that as it related to what my ability was in this ecosystem, I, the dream was that I had an ability to take that back to everybody. Because I've always, like I said, come from this, um, this, 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 this background with my parents and the way that they raised me to be conscious of my community, be conscious of those who are not fortunate enough to be able to influence things that um, they're going to experience. And so that was what the dream was to come here to, you know, uh, work alongside this, this historical president, this first, you know, black man president, um, and to be able to take that back and then say like, look guys, look at all this stuff that's taking place over here. I think I need you all to know, because I feel like this is something I've known for a while, but you know, and, and, and not necessarily that this podcast is going to be focused on that, but people have to also know that government, like, it, it works for you, but it works for you to the extent in which you engage it. And I think that that's the piece a lot of people are missing about it. You took it a step further. Like, you, you, you engaged with it quite literally um, in this, in this, in the Obama administration, but also like the work you've done later on with Biden Harris, with some of the, the nonprofits and, and other memberships that you sort of like, you don't, you don't just speak about it. You seem to actually embed yourself in these organizations, institutions, and then try and actually work with them and, and leverage them at a much more tactical and meaningful and tangible level than most people do. So that's, that's something that already is, is quite respectful. Um, now, you couldn't have said it better, honestly. <laughs> I, I, no, I, I'm just thinking about it because you keep and, and like as you you know, I love doing these interviews because I love when I tee up somebody's background, like their backstory, then all their career decisions they they start to make sense, right? Like everything that they start to do because listen, you know, all the all the professional milestones you've hit in your life, there's no need to have those professional milestones, but then also be on five or six other boards, like. Not everybody, not everybody does that, right? Yeah. That's something that's that's unique to you, and it's a good, it's a good thing. It's a very, very good thing. So, I just like to see how you know the, this mindset that dr- drove you to work for seven, eight months without pay, just so you <laughs> total. Can have that. It, ele- it was yeah. eleven and a half months in total before Jeez, I got my man. first paid job in Washington <laughs> D.C. Uh, and God bless her; she's still on Capitol Hill. I work for uh, Congresswoman. Uh, or D.C. delegate to Congress, Eleanor Holmes Norton, um, as we call her Congresswoman Eleanor Holmes Norton mm-hmm. here in the, the, the District of Columbia. I worked initially in her district office before uh, getting to her uh, legislative office and being an aide to her and traveling around D.C. and going to speaking events and meetings and things of that nature. It's my pers- first paid job. Um, shout out to uh, a couple of my good friends who there was. It's funny how it works, how I got that job. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I feel like this would be a good good. Uh, like anecdote for this conversation. Um, So I had been for many, many, many months, as I told you, around 11 and a half months. And it got to a place of like, all right, so you're kind of living with, you know, my girlfriend's aunt here, you know, um, you know, her husband, 
is uh, love him to death. He's a great, great uncle. But at the time, you know, like he had just moved in with her not too long before that point in time. And it was kind of like they were being very patient with me. And so, you know, I kind of get these signals. I pick up on it. I'm like, yeah, I think I need to do a little little more to kind of get some <laughs> income here because, you know, I've got to got to stay in this house, you know, not really being able to uh, kind of cover cover what I'm what I'm using. Um, but all jokes aside, uh, there was like a day that I actually because I came to D.C. and I full on mentality to want to learn new things, experience new things, go new places, engage with new people, all of these types of things. I grew up playing basketball and I grew up running track um, and had never honestly played any other sport other than those. Um, <laughs> funny enough, I moved to D.C. I went to Joseph A. Banks. At the time, they were doing those, like, buy one suit, get, like, six free. So I got all these, like, boxy suits. Like, you know, like, it's super funny when I think about it now. I went to uh, Dick's Sporting Good. I got, once again, my, I love my wife. You'll hear me refer to her quite a bit. Uh, she she helped me purchase a uh, set of golf clubs, a pre-set of golf clubs um, from Dick's Sporting Good. And I was like, I'm moving to D.C. I got my navy blazer with the gold buttons, super cringe and stereotypical <laughs> and cheesy. And I was like, I'm going to do all these things. I'm going to go to these places and meet these people. I'm going to start playing golf. Sure enough, I moved into a household where my uncle, he golfs. He golfs like almost every day. And so I was actually golfing. He was teaching me. I had never done it before. And I get calls on my cell phone. I was ignoring it at first because we were, we were actually on a driving range. And my phone just kept ringing. And I was like, okay, I got to pick this up. And I picked it up. And my good buddy, um, who to this day, uh, God bless him, Tony, um, who actually I work with at Facebook now, um, he hit me up. Uh, is a guy who was working at the White House at the time, who I gotten to know very well, um, who had kind of become kind of a brother slash mentor. He was like, Chris, I think I got an opportunity for, uh, for you. At the time, there was this woman who was on Capitol Hill um, who worked for a former senator and a lot of young black professionals that come through Washington, D.C. eventually meet this woman. She was almost like kind of like the godmother. And you kind of got to go through this woman to so that she can size you up and then like figure out, OK, I think this is a good place for you to go. I've seen it all. Done. She had been in the hill for a good 30, almost 40 years at that point in time, had seen it all. Picked up that phone. He was like, she wants to meet with you in the next hour. I am. 20 minutes away from where I'm staying. I'm not showered. Uh, I don't have no, you know, those clothes. And then on top of that, I'm 45 minutes away from where I need to be in terms of where I was staying in Maryland versus Washington, D.C. I dart home, throw on a suit and like literally get him to drive me down there. And uh, she sat with me. We talked for a moment and it was like all of maybe 10 minutes, 10, 15 minutes. All right now, thank you. Like I got to understand it. Like yeah, now you can leave. Next day, I got a call interview um, in several members of Congress office. It it worked just like that. It really worked just like that. And I'm not saying that to say in a weird way, but it, I guess the reason why I want to draw on that is because of two things. Um, be ready. <laughs> just mm -hmm, very yeah. much be ready, right? <laughs> so when you get that call, be ready to act. And then yeah. two. Um, be in these ecosystems because the opportunities are often within they're, they're like, you know, I'm, if I'm in Atlanta at this point in time and I'm getting this call and it's like, Hey, Oh, this woman really wants to meet with you in person. Oh man, I'm actually out of town right now. Okay. Well maybe next time. That's it. So it's yeah. kind of like, particularly as I mentor a lot of younger professionals and young people, I, I tell them like, 
it may be ugly a little bit, right? Like if you want to get into Wall Street and you want to get into banking, you want to get in these things, you got to move to North, uh, to New York. You just got to do yeah. it. If you want to get into, you know, like, you know, I mean, you get what I'm trying to say, right? Like, yeah, you yeah, got to like course, put yeah. yourself in it. So that's, that's kind of a, it's a funny story when I reflect on that. You know, it's a good anecdote for sure. I like that a lot. That's smart. Um, so after, after this, you, you had this opportunity. So where does your career go from here? Is it, because I, I, you, you did a lot. Uh, you, you were running your own, uh, I guess you had your own business for a while. Uh, pre Facebook, I don't know if there's other other things in between. If you want to go through some of those things, yeah, I'll just um, do like a super quick on that. So anything that yeah. in particular that I feel like could be um, germane to this conversation. Um, sure. So I'm working on the Hill for Eleanor Holmes Norton, um, yeah, and then I'm there for a year and some change and several months, and then I get a call to back to the White House. Uh, I get an opportunity to work in the Office of Presidential Correspondence. Um, and to come in and to lead an office that centers around uh, the students, um, basically 18 and below uh, citizens who write to the president. Uh, and I just couldn't pass it up. I mean, oh, wow, a job at the White House. And um, but back at the mailroom. But it was all good. I was like, I, I in my wildest dreams, I couldn't have come up with something like that. So then I went back there. I cut my teeth, did that, uh, ran in a department had a little small, 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 small team, but it had a cadre of volunteers that were very committed to the students of America and reading those letters. Um, some of those letters got up to President Obama. I was able to draft letters on behalf of President to, back to the students and young citizens. Then um, I started helping out other kind of departments inside the White House, uh, doing some like policy briefings um, and bringing kind of outside groups in and some like engagement um, type of things, letting them know what kind of, you know, the way the uh, president and the, his administration were kind of tackling certain issues and we bring in kind of outside groups. Uh, at that point, then I had an opportunity to kind of go down that route or go to the national security route, uh, kind of on the economic side of things, or go to the small business administration. Um, and for a number of reasons, uh, it aligned that I went over to the SBA, um, you know, from my backdrop um, and a background with the company that I had when I was yeah. in college. My grandmother uh, had a salon um, and, and had, 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 she was always an entrepreneur. So it kind of was like, Oh, it resonates. And I went yeah. there and I joined the administrator's office. Um, and just got, I, I mean, that, that was another moment professionally where, you know, you, you go in and you start working for a, for all intents and purposes, a cabinet secretary, and you see the way, um, policies made, you see the, um, way they're, talking to trade groups, outside um, um, influencers and individuals who are advocating around certain aspects of policy, size standards, you know, the government contracting rules, um, that allocation of capital via certain programs, um, you know, the budget process for a federal agency, the hiring and the HR, the Very appointments of political yeah. people coming into the agency. My eyes were just wide open. I was like, wow, this is yeah. unreal. Um, so I was there for about five and a half, um, almost six years um, at the SBA doing numerous things before the end of the administration and going on um, to be a CEO of a nonprofit, uh, involve entrepreneurship, which I'm still involved with to this day. Still um, working with businesses, still working mm -hmm. with entrepreneurs. I see yep. a, a theme is forming now. So Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and uh, at this point in time, also then starting to engage uh, continuously with the My Brother's Keeper Alliance and mm -hmm. serving on the advisory capacity there, helping advise um, the, uh, the, the managing director or, you know, the executive director, should I say, 
um, who, who's going on to do some really great stuff, uh, is recently announced he's going into the uh, Biden administration. And um, it, it was it was like two. It was like it was a, it was a clear path of there were some big partnerships that were on the table that were coming down the pike with involved that I was kind of working on for a while. And then Facebook reached out. I started getting recruited into Facebook to be thinking about governance and to be thinking about, um, you know, the, you know, Facebook's uh, impact on society and society's impact on Facebook and how, mm-hmm. and from yeah, my, I was going to, I had yeah, a question. I, I just, just the, what, what prompted you to make that? Cause that's also a huge career shift working in government and moving over to private, to private tech. So why did you want to make that move? Because that's Ooh, a total... You asked some good questions. It's a total shift in, in your entire... Because in, you've never worked in tech before. No, no. I've you've supported tech, tech <laughs> yeah. startups and, you know, I have you know, numerous friends who had worked in tech up until this point. Um, I'll just give you a very, very direct answer on that. Yeah. It is unquestionable and undeniable what type of impact tech has had on our life. I would probably say, I mean, almost forever, but yeah. unquestionably since the 90s up until this point, right? The advent of, um, I mean, obviously the computers in the late 70s coming up until, but like once the internet was established up until this point. And so as someone, um, you know, that understood that and then understood, uh, you know, the, the advent of like the, the Ubers and, you know, the Airbnbs and like Googles and all these platforms, and you see the influence that they have um, and you see how they actually impact lives. Um, I mean, when you think about it, right, like <laughs> we joke about, let's say, like Uber or Lyft or any of these platforms. But we, we had to either have a car, take public yeah. transportation or hell a taxi prior yeah, I to remember those calling like a I remember booking taxis ahead of time. To I was about to say that in the morning <laughs> B- booking taxis calling ahead getting put on a docket yeah. basically and say like all right you sure you're gonna be there and they're like yeah, yeah we promise you'll be there yeah um, I mean but look at it now and so yeah. understanding that I felt like oh wait there's an opportunity for me because once again this is kind of a theme there's an opportunity to kind of like string all of these experiences mm-hmm. these perspectives um that I have and maybe I can help influence the way tech is thinking about some of these things. And furthermore, maybe I could be um, uh, very, very integral in the way in which we think about our uh, responsibility back to society. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, because once again, people use these platforms um, because they make life easy Um, or um, Or there there is. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Right. Exactly. So, I felt that there was a great opportunity for me to come in and really help um, this company in particular think about um, here's here's what you know things are uh, here's here's how groups and um, external partners and um, stakeholders and people on the outside are thinking about certain issues. Here's um, some of the maybe product considerations. Here's some strategies that we should be thinking about and bringing that in because it's not a, really a secret, but tech is a bubble. Um, yeah. And there are a lot of people who they have been in the tech world their whole life, um, professionally speaking. Mm-hmm. Um, and it isn't so inherent how obvious tech impacts daily lives, right? Like, you yeah. know what I mean? 
Um, well, you think about how old these companies, these companies are not old companies. They're not. Like, you know, the average age of, of, of individuals in, when it was first starting up, you know, there wasn't anybody <laughs> over 50 years old in the company, right? Like, no, no one. These are all kids starting. And now obviously it's changed a little bit. But still, if, that, if that's, you know, that's the entire culture of the company, there was no external influence. And Absolutely. when the company has influence and there's no, there's no one else saying, you know, raising a hand saying, hey, this is how this policy is going to affect, you know, millions or billions of people. That's a, that's an important, that's an important thing to consider, I guess. Yes. So that's really what, that's what the role is, right? That's what, yes. that's what, okay. okay yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, 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 yeah. and the, and the organization that I'm in is one that uh, really centers around thinking, um, like I said, the impact that our platforms have on society mm -hmm. and really be thinking about. Uh, the governance structures that we should consider, um, you know, to, to kind of make sure that we're thinking about the future the right way um, and mm -hmm. being responsible. Um, and so uh, I really enjoy that type of work and I enjoy bringing in that type of thinking um, to advocate for, um, you know, community. I mean, mm -hmm. our, 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 one of our values right now um, is, is, is community and building community. And actually, I really love this about our platform in that we really do care deeply about wanting to bring people together. Um, it's not easy. I mean, obviously, and, and society is in a tricky space, <laughs> globally yeah. speaking, yeah. right? Um, and I won't go too far down this, this path, but yeah. if, if society is a, in a tricky place, then wouldn't on the social media landscape, it'd be tricky also. And I think it's these probably are the even more so. Absolutely. Even more so, because right? there's anonymity or to exactly. a degree yeah. is in like, uh, yeah. you know, I can be speaking with someone that's over uh, somewhere else. And like, you know, I can say things behind, you know, as they say, like the Twitter fingers. Um, yeah. yeah. But yeah. So I, I wanted to come in and, and to, to help uh, strategically think about these things. I'm I'm curious and I'm just going to I'm going to ask this question here because there's a couple more things that you've done in your career that are very interesting. But I'm curious from your experience, did you feel like you had more of an impact on the day-to-day -day lives of people with the government or Ooh, with Facebook? You ask good questions. <laughs> Cause like this is part of these questions make me actually want to sit back for a second and do the, yeah, there's no right or wrong answer to this one. It's just, I'm just, I'm so curious because I'll say I don't this. know how I'd answer that. I don't know how I would even think if I, you know, I haven't worked for Facebook, you know, or the government, but I, if I would say who has more impact, that's a, that's a hard one. It That's is. A hard one it's a hard answer. one at this point because of the size of this company. Um, yeah. You know what I'll say is this. I I can't actually say which, and, and not because I can, but what I'm saying is is I'm a big believer in um, government and government action and the ability for government to be accountable to mm -hmm. us as citizens. And we take for granted how much government actually impacts our lives. Um, the very fact that uh, much of the industries, much of the consumer goods that we use right now, much of the technology, much of the innovation, a lot of this was uh, spurred by government action and government intervention. Mm -hmm. um, our relative safety in this country is because we actually have a functioning government. Um, and, you know, once again, we, we can get down to like the federal, state, local level, but overall our society functions because there is a government that's in place mm -hmm. 
Um, and so I feel like as I was in the kind of the walls and halls of government and advising on policies, particularly when I was at the SBA, um, yes, I do feel moments that I can reflect on. I'm like, yeah, I definitely impacted some businesses in some ways because of certain uh, initiatives that we established or advocating for certain rules to be changed, certain um, caps yeah. on kind of the capital limits to be increased. And, you know, these groups over here matter just as much as these groups over here. We should bring people together to talk the things through. So, yeah, I'll say yeah. that. But I also that's say a, that it's an amazing feeling. It must be an amazing. Uh, it must be an amazing feeling. Yeah, it is. It is. You know, and yeah. I don't know that I actually think about it in that way. I honestly, I just kind of feel like I think about it from a lens of like a responsibility that I have. Mm -hmm. um, you know, because it's something that I'm 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 really enthusiastic about. I kind of get really energized from it, um, and it's, it's, I, you know, I grew up in a household because my father was a minister and my mother is, is a, a minister as well. Um, we've always done community service and like vol yeah. volunteerism and these types of things. And so I feel like it almost like inherently came and follows that that's what I want to do now or have yeah. been doing now. So that's, but then, that's what you are doing in, mm -hmm. in various capacities. That's, that, that is what you, regardless of whether or not it's small businesses or it's communities and community building with yes. Facebook, like that's, you, you, you fall into this category of, of trying to give back to some extent and make things better and, and hold major bodies that have sway and influence and power accountable in some, in some aspect. That's what I see your role being in, in a lot of these things that you've done over your career. That's why they pay you the big bucks to do this podcast. Yeah. You, you know how to synthesize it well. I'm like over here talking and you just... No, no, no. You, you're, you... you're good, man. You're good. <laughs> you're good. Okay. So let's, so let's talk about... So the things that I think that are interesting that you've done... Well, you've done... Everything you've done is very interesting. But I mean, <laughs> like working with small businesses, entrepreneurs, social responsibility. So um, just because I have, I have to ask because it's something uh, you've done that's an incredible achievement. And I do know that this is separate from your other work but it did involve small businesses. Um, speak to me about what you did with Biden-Harris transition, and yeah. then maybe you can speak a little bit more about some of the small business or social responsibility initiatives, you know, including uh, Law Champs, because I think that's something that's very interesting. I was looking at their website. That's a, a concept that I don't think I've ever seen before. Yeah. So let's walk oh, yeah. through, let's walk through some of that. that. Yeah. Yeah. Um... You know, once again, there's there's all levels of granularity that I can get into as I've kind of yeah, tried of to earlier around um, some of the professional experiences I've had. But one that I can say is that from my time working in the White House and then going to Capitol Hill, back to the White House and then over to the SBA, um, you, you know, you you meet people, <laughs> you know, you network. Yeah. Um, if you're intentional about it, definitely you meet people. Um, and I've always been a person that um, I was raised to really be conscious about what type of impression that you leave on people in a positive way. Um, mm -hmm. You want, you know, you know, be someone that makes people feel good when you engage with them, be someone that makes people feel valued, be someone that makes people feel listened to and heard and all those types of things. Um, and I guess I'd say in, in some ways I did that because um, I'm, you know, just working at Facebook, doing the other things that I'm doing with involve on the side and all, you know, in terms of my private and personal time. Um, and I get all of these like almost spammy type of calls, like, you know, numbers that I don't recognize. 
And I'm like, what's going on? And I'm getting, you know, I'm getting these like very cryptic emails. Like, hey, we've been trying to get in touch with you. And, you know, obviously <laughs> in, the, in the society we live in now, you kind of get those. You're like, yeah, delete. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, like, like 20 of those a day. I'm like, all right, all right. I know I didn't win anything. I'm still working. Like, <laughs> Exactly. And by happenstance, I'm sitting on my, um, my patio uh, with my wife, and a call comes in. And I'm like, man, these calls keep coming in. What, what? I, don't, I just honestly don't know. So I just pick it up. You know, at worst, it's like, uh, oh, you, you know, spam, yeah, yeah. hang up. And it's like, hey, Chris, how are you? And I'm like, okay, that's very specific. Right. Um, I'm, who, I'm who are you? Who are you? I know. That's the next question. Who are you? Hey there, Scott here. I just want to take a second to thank the sponsor of today's episode, Gusto. Look, 2020 has not been an easy year for anybody. 2021, almost halfway through, things are just starting to look up now. For small business owners, it's been very difficult. But Gusto's looking to save you a little bit of headache, make things a little bit easier. Gusto is an online payroll and benefits service. It is built to help businesses, but it's built with the business owner in mind. It is the one-stop shop for paying and taking care of all the payroll and HR headaches for your team. And Gusto does more than just taking care of payroll, which it already does incredibly well. It takes care of time tracking, health insurance, 401ks, onboarding, commuter benefits, offer letters, live access to HR experts, you get the idea. If you're moving from another provider, Gusto removes a headache of even switching and takes care of all the onboarding headache for you. They work with over 100,000 small businesses. You want to know an incredible stat? The majority of their customers, they say three out of four customers, say they run their complete payroll in under 10 minutes by using Gusto on top of all the other stuff they do. So if you are tired of working on the stuff you don't like working on but you have to do, I would definitely suggest checking out Gusto. This is a godsend for people that need to focus on building the business and not working in it and doing administrative stuff every single day that's just bogging down your time. And Gusto has put together an incredible offer for everybody who's listening to the Success Story podcast. When you run your first payroll with Gusto, you get three months free. So you can go and try it out at gusto.com slash Scott. You get three months free. So three months free payroll, admin, HR, whatever it may be, completely free. Go to gusto.com slash Scott and check it out. All right, let's go back to the show. You know, this previous individual you used to work for, and it's like, oh, <laughs> hey what's good to hear from you and she goes look i'll be very blunt and very straight i want you to come on the uh biden presidential transition and i said wait what and she's like yeah and you know she goes on to explain uh the opportunity um she goes on to say that you know there had been several people who had recommended you and said that you know from you know your time at SBA to the time post, you've just been doing a lot of things in this ecosystem and we really could use that perspective. I mean, one thing that I definitely enjoy a lot, particularly about this president and this vice president and, and, and Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are they uh, really prioritize uh, racial equity and this idea of the Build Back Better plan and the Build Back mm -hmm. Better plan, you know, to dis dispel it was not a this group over here is better or bigger than other groups. But what it is, is like there's a reconciliation. There are some disproportionate impacts that communities mm -hmm. of color are, have been experiencing. And we want to do right by that so that this 
cadre of American citizens can also get ahead. It's just that simple, right? It's, it's kind of like the body, right? Like if one of our yeah. organs is not functioning properly, the whole body's not going to actually function that properly. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I really bought into that. And they said that we would love to have a perspective like yours join, um, particularly to help shape government, think through how do we need to be thinking about policies for um, the SBA? What's the type of team that we need to build? Um, you, know, um, who, you know, who are the outside groups that we should engage early on uh, that can help shape early policies? Um, to help you know, marginalized entrepreneurs, small business owners. That's what that's the that's the majority of what you're focused on, right? Yeah, yeah, right. a lot of that, a lot of that. I mean, that was that was that was. I mean, you see it now. The um, SBA administrator, who I know very well, she's a wonderful woman. Administrator Isabel Guzman. Um, she's a Latina woman. She's a mm -hmm. Latina woman. She was in uh, formerly uh, the governor of, uh, of California, Gavin Newsom's um, cabinet you know, working on uh, the state small business agency and all the kind of small business policies. Um, and they uh, just nominated another uh, uh, gentleman named Dilawar, um, who if I believe I, and I could be incorrect on this, but I believe he's a Middle, Middle Easterner. And so mm -hmm. um, in terms of his heritage and his background. And so I guess what I'm saying is it was this idea of like, one of the quotes that I love that he said is that I'm going to build a cabinet that looks like America. You know, I've heard that. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's I've heard that quote before. And so yeah. that was our remit. Yeah. That was what we were told to as all of us were, who were appointed into the presidential transition uh, around a very diverse background to be thinking about how to engage all aspects of America, you know, whether it be rural America, mm -hmm. whether it be, um, you know, black uh, citizens, white citizens, Asian citizens, Latino citizens. How are we thinking about everything that can work in this moment? You know, and so that's what I was I was called in to do is to really think um, critically around, um, you know, uh, technical assistance for uh, small business owners. And um, I had been in the um, entrepreneurial development office previously and had done work there on programs and policies that uh, focused on, you know, business owners going to yeah. uh, brick and mortar locations to get technical assistance for their business. And. What do we need to be doing? Who do we need to be engaging with? Are there new models that we should be thinking about? Should we fund this over here? Should we think about it that way? So I helped I helped uh, shape some of those things. So let's 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 talk about some some issues that marginalized small businesses are facing. And I guess Law Champs. So Law Champs helps business owners, or is it just for everybody? Is it, I, I don't, it's, it's I don't know if it's two separate things or if it's, no, it's sorry? for everybody. It's for okay. everybody. Yeah, no. And I appreciate this because I'm actually really excited about this. Um, I, I, I've, um, been engaging with law champs, um, in terms of kind of an advisory, uh, role yeah. for, for a while now and just kind of formalized, uh, my, my level of engagement. <laughs> but, um, first off, it is a tech platform. Um, yeah. it is a full on tech startup platform. Um, and we are positioning ourselves as an advocacy organization because that's what it is right now for legal access and legal representation. Yeah. Um, it is the idea of people having access to um, free legal services as it relates to matching, right? Getting to the right people uh, first, you know, and, and, and sizing on that side of things. 
So yeah, so I'm just I'm I'm on the website now. Mm-hmm. I'm taking a look. So what? So how does the? So walk through how the platform works because when I first looked into it, I've never really seen anything like this before. So this is and this is for, you know out of all the accolades and the boards that you sit on, this is the most recent that's obviously like top of mind for you, right? Yes, this is it the is. One that, okay, okay. It is. Okay, it is. Gotcha. It is. And I'm 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 all in. I'm actually really excited about this. Um, you know, it, it is it yeah. is a platform. Um, you know, if, that we promote this idea of access to justice, social and legal reform, and, and we connect and protect those who deserve that equitable representation. Um, and what we do is we match um, individuals who come to the platform with top lawyer on an, an, an as-needed basis um, mm-hmm. so that they can fight for particular legal outcomes that they're looking for. Um, and there is no cost for those who need lawyers to use LawChamp's legal matching service because... Um, you know, I, I don't presuppose that you're a lawyer. Otherwise, you might have said that. But if you are, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I am not. I, that okay. was the other career path uh, besides <laughs> podcasting. <laughs> but you know, I, I didn't want to do the other four years of school. So <laughs> totally, totally. No, yeah. I'm in the same boat. I've always wanted to be, but decided not to. But um, yeah. It it it, it is a an experience that if you've had to experience it, it can be a little harrowing. In mm-hmm. that if you have something that comes up and you le- need legal representation, it's like, where do you go? What do you do? And, 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 and it's daunting. And there are some out there who, um, who understand that that's the experience that you're going to have. We wanted to cut through that noise. We wanted to provide a platform that people can go in, put in a couple of key you know, uh, indicators, and then it match with other lawyers that are already on the platform, lawyers that uh, say, look, I'm looking for kind of, you know, deal flow and opportunities, um, yeah. you know, solo lawyers and those who are kind of individualized in their firms or those who are kind of even still in, in, in within big shops to find those people. Because what happens a lot and we hear this quite a bit from lawyers is that that matching is hard, right? Like. I, we have a close family friend who's a lawyer and, uh, you know, she she does she does a very specific type of lawyers, as most lawyers do. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. you know, like if you know a lawyer, they don't just do lawyer things. They like. Do, no, they, no, they're very they're like they're, they're almost pigeonholed to like a, to a fault that like that's all they do. And, you know, it's it's funny. Like I never even thought about the fact that marginalized groups or or people that just may not have excess capital or they don't mm-hmm. have the network or the connections like forget about even paying for a lawyer yep like i yep. can't even find one yeah I, you know that's uh it's never crossed my mind but that's a that totally makes sense it, that it totally looks, makes sense seven and ten moderate income uh households experience at least one legal issue per year and this is from pew yeah. pew research center right you know it, it, it it's it's kind of like a situation where you're gonna have something yeah that you're going to need legal representation. And, and, I, and I think if we're going to be honest about it, there are a lot of moments that legal intervention will probably be a better route yeah. if you actually had access to it. If you, you know, have like access. There, yeah. there, are, there are moments where it's kind of like, oh, yeah, that, you know, I'm having this little like tenant issue or I'm having an issue as a renter or I'm having an issue yeah. in, on, on the job. Um, you know, one of my closest best friends, uh, kind of like a little brother of mine, he had some challenges at with his employers, um, and 
he went through this whole, I, what do I, I don't know. And I was like, hey, you should look at Law Champs. I did plug Law Champs. This is well before I even joined <laughs> formally, but I said, look at Law Champs. And then I also um, put him in touch with some other lawyers and other people who were in the same kind of professional um, uh, in, industry vertical that he was in because yeah. he was in pharmaceuticals. And um, he was like, I, Chris, thank you after it all. And he was like, I, I, there's no way. I could have figured that out if I didn't have not everybody. That not everybody has a, a, a well-connected Chris around to, to help them out. So yeah. I, I, <laughs> and that's I, why I get, you yeah. should go to law champs. I mean, honestly, yeah. it yeah. sounds like a shameless plug, but it's not truly. Um, it is a platform that people can um, get that access. Um, and we pride ourselves, particularly with having top quality and top notch lawyers who have bought mm -hmm. into the platform who are there. Um, and, and like I said, that matching is free. Um, you know, they can come on. I mean, you know, look, we have a number of examples. We have, you know, a, a gentleman named Alex Tari, who's a Brooklyn-based black millennial entrepreneur, and he launched his music-based platform. And any person who's a creative, I mean, this is kind of why I bring this up, yeah. because you're a creative in terms yeah. of this podcast. If you're going to go about this the very legit way in terms of anything around the creative space, how do you register? How do you trademark? Mm -hmm. How do you kind of like incorporate, you know, what, how do you protect your IP? How do you protect all these different types of things? And he was in that kind of situation. Um, I, I, you know, not to say anything negative, but you can go online and type in like a do it yourself or, yeah, you know, yeah. quick, easy template. But look, that's people who I'm going to say are trying to possibly be helpful but that can yeah. put you in a, a really, a really rough patch if you kind of like, go especially if you think you're, if you think you're covered and you think you're protected and it turns out you're not, it's probably going to cost you more than just, uh, figuring out the right way to do things. Absolutely. From the get -go. Absolutely. So we had a lawyer, yeah. we had a law chance lawyer, Ariel Gray, who came on and like worked with him and is working with him currently to got him fully, um, you know, incorporated and, you know, a lot of different protections around his trademark paperwork and other things of this nature. Yeah. Cause he was down a Actually, trademark I, wormhole. <laughs> I just want to tell you how, how useful this platform could be. And again, this is, this is just me sort of uncovering it on this call. So if you are, if you're even an entrepreneur or creative or, or a solopreneur, or whatever, you're trying to do anything, mm -hmm. if you Google lawyer in my city, that's going to give you somebody that's going to charge you 15,000 bucks just to talk to you because they're going to be the ones that are SEO optimized, right? Those we don't even actually drafts. have to see that. This is what I love that you just brought up about that because I was trying to be diplomatic about it as you probably now no. pick up on <laughs> a little bit before. Fair, fair. That's actually how this ecosystem has been operating forever. I know. I know. Right. I, I've, I've dealt with lawyers. I, so <laughs> I, I can't stand. I can't stand because you always get the most expensive one because that's the one that knows how to get the ranking up to the first page of Google. And good luck. Good luck. If good you luck. get somebody like that, because good luck. no, good luck. they're not bad people, but they're not it's, for it's business. The, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's like, that's, yeah. yeah. And, and that's the point, right? Like yeah. if we're going to really talk about, you know, once again, these themes, equity, yeah. access, opportunity, this is what we care deeply about with Law Champs. We care about equitable access, equitable opportunity to access. This ability that, no, you should not be charged for a consultation, you know, to get matched, you know, in these yeah. types of things. Because once again, to that same point, you can Google lawyer, you can call, you know, Jane Doe, John Doe. Yeah. They may for a moment drag you along to make you think that they're the type of lawyer you need. 
but then come and say like I'm not, or yeah. going through a whole situation where they sub out and all. You get what I'm saying? So like, there's a lot. There's a lot. You have, you have let's cut careful. through that noise. Yeah. Let's cut through that and noise. You know? Yeah, and and that's that. You know, like if you want, if you want it, like I love it. Like if you want to give people opportunity, you can't. You have a creative individual that wants to do something or wants to get help to incorporate or whatever they want to figure out, like you need to give them the opportunity to do that without making them bankrupt before they put out their first piece of content before they you know, open their first shop or whatever. Absolutely. But you want to know yeah. what's also brilliant about the, the law champs platform is that we're only talking about those who need the lawyers. The brilliant mm -hmm. thing about law champs is also that we also provide um, uh, a la carte and bespoke um, approaches for lawyers themselves. Um, you know, we have some very interesting data, but in particularly, there's somewhere in the range of 800,000 plus attorneys who need affordable turnkey solutions to acquire clients and compete online, um, particularly, right? Like it is, it is this notion of these solo and small firm attorneys that are out here that some may not be the most digitally uh, literate. Some may not yeah. have the best kind of, um, kind of, you know, social media representation, they may not necessarily have the ability to kind of create a website and things. We provide all of these services also for lawyers. Um, yeah. they, and they, in, in, in there, there's data that says that lawyers spend around 50% of time prospecting for new clients and administrative work. So if you kind of like start to think about some of these data points, you kind of understand, oh, maybe yeah. there's an opportunity here. Maybe we can yeah. do something and be that kind of middle platform that, you know, democratizes, makes it equitable, makes it easy for people yeah. to find the lawyers that can match up with their needs, and then also help those lawyers find the clients that they're really trying to get to and actually be able to serve those. A, a socially conscious business that also solves a, a major need. That's pretty good, man. That's not bad. Thank you. Not I bad. appreciate that. I appreciate that. I'm happy to be on as a, a chairman of the advisory and the board of directors, yeah. um, a great team of uh, individuals, and honestly, uh, it, you check it out, um, and and we're we're gonna we're gonna try to take this one and do big things with it. Um, yeah. And I think what I believe in most about the platform is it's just this idea. So it's funny because this now gets back into this like the way that I would think in terms of yeah, the line yeah. politically. <laughs> um, I feel like this is kind of like the Obama University that I was a part of in in terms of the way I think, but. Uh, it's turned out you know, okay, so it's yeah. not that bad. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, 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 this, it's this idea of how many people can take advantage of uh, this, this, this platform in this moment that we're in. Um, and just the idea of, you know, people across all of, of America at this point in time, we, there are the markets that we're thinking about moving into soon and things of this nature. Um, I'm just really enthusiastic about the possibilities of this platform. Um, because once again, we're, 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 we're post some of the biggest platforms that have democratized some of the oldest clunky industries yeah. and ecosystems. So I just feel really good about it. Yeah, that's very good. Very, very good. Very interesting. I, I'm glad you gave me the rundown because I had no idea. I really didn't know what it was going into it. Now I have a, a, be a much better understanding. Um, for, you know, for the, so I, I guess the only thing that I wanted to sort of finish up with, with you and just sort of get your opinion on is some thoughts on corporate social responsibility because that's been a tenant of of course yeah the platform that you're building but also something that you've probably had to figure out with facebook figure out while working in the white house in dc so where do you think where do you think uh or what corporations are 
focusing on social responsibility and making impactful change? Who's doing, who is doing social responsibility right that you've seen? You ask a really big, I, I, you, you have a way I'm of sorry, asking these, You're just, but like, you're, I know that you have answers for this stuff. And I know that, I know that this is in your ecosystem. And it's just very interesting because I think that, you know, we can go down the small business route, but the social responsibility route is something that you've lived, you've breathed, you're breathing right now and living right now. And it's, it's something that's very important. And it's something that's come to light more over the past yeah. year. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I'm going to do a shameless plug and I'm going to say it, you know, because I, 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 I believe it and I true it. I'm in it. Right. Cause I see yeah. what's going on. I mean, I truly believe and know that at Facebook and I'm not even, yeah. I'm not the person speaking on this so that, it, you know, in that way, but we, we do things well in this way and we're trying to find more ways to do it even better. Um, so I will say as, as it relates to kind of a corporation, large corporation, mm -hmm. I think we do some really great things. Um, and a lot of things that people don't know. And I think that's also, at least yeah, for sure. me, so like how you've made the comment of like someone like me, I would know. Yeah. There are many organizations that are doing amazing work that we just don't know. And it's unfortunate sure. at times that people don't get that kind of credit. So I would be remiss to say that about uh, uh, my company, Facebook. Um, I will say I, I care very deeply about, um, it, this is another private company um, who I respect deeply. It's called the Libra Group. Um, mm -hmm. The Libra Group is actually who uh, uh, founded and we're the founding sponsors of Involve Entrepreneurship that I still am part of. And Involve started in their corporate social responsibility division. And this is a private family company. Um, CEO and chairman George Logothetis uh, and, his, and, his, and his brothers um, decided that a part of their business and the subsidiaries, that a core element would also be CSR. So they were going to think the same bullish business tactics and principles. They were going to apply that in their corporate social responsibility and then verticalize that as well and do some really amazing things. Um, and and I, I, it sounds like it would be a shameless plug, but it's not. I, I am a big believer in you got to give credit where credit's due. And they've yeah. done some tremendous things with their corporate uh, social responsibility. Um, there's an organization that started out of that called uh, the Concordia and the Concordia yeah. Summit. And so it is like one of the foremost summits right now uh, that takes place in New York City. Um, once again, I said involve entrepreneurship. Uh, you know, yeah. there is the Selene Institute that focuses on maternal mental health. That's one. Um, and then another that I actually I want to call upon because they, they, they're, they're very um, uh, great individuals. And like I said, when, you know, credit's due, it's due. Um, but uh, Mitch and Frida Kapoor uh, with the Kapoor Entrepreneurship Center. Um, uh, you know, Mitch, you should look him up. Mitch is a, a, yeah, a yeah. phenomenal man and a fascinating individual. Uh, once again, another, one of these like internet forefathers, it, kind of the way that I'll put it, he built Mozilla Firefox and Linux. Um, and, and he and his uh, wife, uh, Frida K. Poor Klein have done some amazing things. They are doing it right. They're doing it right. Um, and they should, I am a big believer of you know, there's some of the biggest ones that you can call out. And, you yeah, know, I think that's yeah. kind of standard, but we should definitely be giving credit where credit's due with these organizations that are doing good work uh, when yeah. they're doing good work. So I'd like to call them out. Yeah, I appreciate that. And I think that what I just wanted to, I wanted to highlight, um, obviously a, a platform like Law Champs, it's easy to show how they're benefiting uh, marginalized groups, but not everybody has a product 
that directly benefits through the application of the product to marginalized groups. So it's nice to, to just hear names and understand other organizations that are doing it and going out of their way to do things that are outside of their just delivering their product. And, totally. and in a way that that you know works with CSR, so that's very interesting. I, and I know that Facebook does a lot, and I yeah, I, yeah. I I don't think it's a bad thing to to plug Facebook for their CSR uh, activities. I, I really do believe they they do try to do their best. My God, it's a difficult place to be. Oh, in. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. That, <laughs> that conversation is much different because it's it's a yeah. difficult place. It's not easy, honestly. And um, yeah, you know, um, as they say, no good deed goes unpunished. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Um, all right, we've uh, we've covered a lot of stuff. Um, I really appreciate all the stuff we went into. I I always do like rapid fire just to to bring yeah. out some like life lessons from you. Is there anything that we didn't go into that I should have asked you about? Not that you should have asked me about. I think um, you you did a f- phenomenal job. This has been great, and thank you again, Scott, for having me. Oh, here. thank you. Um, and and I wish you continued success with this. I really do appreciate and enjoy this format. Um, I do want to call out. Um, as I've said before, this idea of resilience and mm-hmm. being focused, um, particularly as a lot of young professionals, this is what I tell them that, um, I mean, you know, we're in a fascinating moment in time, yeah. right? Like social media, this is probably where I probably don't want to go too deep, but like, there's a lot of things that we think are true based off of certain ways that social media might, yeah. you know, make, make it seem. Um, and that idea of the grit and grind, I'm big on the grit and the grind. I'm big on that, right? Like you got, you got to grind this thing out. Because you're going to appreciate it and you're going to know it when you know it, once you've experienced yeah. it and you kind of succeed at it. And so I'll say that. And then lastly, be anchored in a, uh, by a value. Be anchored by a value. Like what, what carries you to do the work that you do every day? What drives you every day when you wake up to like, you know, what motivates you? And, and have, uh, have, have a value. Have a value that's driving that. Um, and for me, um, I value humans. I value people. I value the idea that um, we are all on this this rock, <laughs> you know, this this this, this rock, yeah. and we 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 have a finite amount of time here. Um, and I'm someone that really believes I want to do what I can do to make it better for other people while we're here on this rock. Um, and so that's, I would say, probably the kind of thing that I'd like to leave uh, on, on that on that end. Very good. Very good. And good and, and beautiful sentiment, too. That's a nice way of putting it. Yeah. Um, OK, let's do a couple rapid fires. Great. Uh, the biggest challenge in your career and how did you overcome? And some of this may be, you know, you may have already touched on some of this no, stuff, no. but just to bring it out at the end. Ooh, biggest challenge in my yeah. career. Um, yeah, whew, this is yeah, because this one goes into a lot of this definitely dovetails in even a personal yeah. moment. Um, the day that I'm walking out the door to go to work at the White House and I get a call literally ignoring it first. You see this theme, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and my mother calls me that my father has had a stroke um, and then subsequently then ends up uh, passing. Um, Sorry. It, yeah, thank you. Um, the challenge of that was a number of things because. In that same moment, and I didn't even get into this because it gets super interesting, but in that moment, I had been already interviewing in several other places in the White House or to, or at the SBA, um, and I just like hop on a flight that same, like within the next couple of hours, go down, uh, you know, we're at the hospital, my father's there, it's like five days and he doesn't make it. Um, 
I had two offers on the table. I won't put them out. I won't put it out there exactly what mm-hmm. the two offers were. One I had already tentatively kind of accepted because I just was like, oh yeah, that's amazing. And like, you know, once again, another one of those, I can make this up and get into this kind of ecosystem if I tried. And I was offered a role. And the other one, it felt like it was going to come, but it hadn't come yet. Mm-hmm. A week and a half from the time that I'm planning my father's funeral, I get an email. When are you coming back? Because basically we need you back in the office for work purposes. And I'll give credit where credit is due. SBA, at the time, the deputy administrator sent me a note because I had already interviewed with all these people. And they sent me condolences from all of those people that I interviewed with and then also the administrator. Wow. And I was like, yep, SBA. <laughs> no yeah. question about it. I mean, because it spoke something a little more about the humanity. And it spoke mm-hmm. something a little more about like, okay, you know, we're, we're in this together, right? As a family kind of thing. And so um, that was a challenging moment for me, not because of, as I kind of, I guess, centered quite a bit around the, uh, the, the professional side of that thing, but the idea that when you have those types of life moments, you know, someone that passes, particularly like a parent, um, it doesn't happen on like a Friday night going into a mm-hmm. weekend. Like it doesn't happen... I mean, you get what I'm saying? And so that was a very interesting time because I ended up taking off a month and some change because, you know, I'm the eldest of my family. I have a younger brother, God bless him, Um, and, you know, mother. And now obviously I have a wife, but, you know, that that notion of like, okay, now I have to step up in a way, right? I have to be there for my mother. I have to be there for my brother. And so I, I was away for a long period of time. And so... I will say that it was a challenge because um, I didn't expect it. Um, my father and I had a very interesting upbringing because my father was a military man and he was very tough on me growing up, very stern. Um, and there were just moments just of like, oh man, this guy's always riding me. And like, I don't know, you know, like moments that we kind of act like we didn't like each other, but that's just kind of how it goes. But I know he, Loved me. I know he cared deeply for me. Um, and I carried some of that when I became a young adult. And some of it at a point in time wasn't actually addressed. Like I kind of was sitting mm-hmm. these things heavy on me for, for many, many years. And I started to like unpack that and started to have some conversation. And I felt like we were getting there. And as we are when we're young professionals, we might get calls from like your parents or like your aunts or uncles, grandmother. You know, we're out here, like, there's the happy hours and all the friends and network and all this stuff. And sometimes they wouldn't prioritize picking up phone calls just because of just work and all these things. Yeah. I specifically got a call from my father just a few days, honestly, three days-ish before that point in time. And he picks up the phone, I'll never forget this, and says, hey, how you doing, son? Um, and he was like, I just want to say I love you. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, you know, and I'm yeah. getting a little emotional now, but like, he said that. And three days later. So it's like one of those moments where I guess it does. It does. Like, cherish those moments that you have with people that you love and that you care deeply yeah. about. Um, yeah, that's what I'll say. <laughs> yeah. No, it's a beautiful, it, it's a sad story, but it's a good, it's a good lesson. And, and, you know what at the end at the at the end of the day uh you know you know that where his head was at 
you know, and now is in a good spot, yep. in a very good spot. Yep. And totally. Yeah. Totally. Totally. No. So. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that was a challenge for me. <laughs> that was yeah, that's a tough, that's those, a, yeah. that's a that's tough, and that's something you know what? That's a good it's a good thing to bring up because uh, what that that situation you just described you get you gave me goosebumps when you when you told me that story because that situation is something that I deal with every day, you know, like you just you just don't answer the phone or you don't text back or you whatever, yeah, yeah. I mean yeah, it's it's a function of what we do sometimes, and yeah. I I that 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 one i think about often that what if it was that moment that i would have done that you know what i mean so um i'm so thankful i did (laughs) yeah 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 yeah. it's a good story it's a it's a good story it's also an important reminder it's two two incredible reminders out of this Uh, number one um where you work if if you don't have that type of team that supports you the way that sba did and find another job because that's incredible and it's very rare. So it's very know. rare. It is. I so can't try say and that. Find that. Yeah, try, try to find, find it. it. Try to find it. But Obviously. also, at the end of the day, mm-hmm. it just—it's just a job. Yeah, it just, it's just a job. Ooh, and you know. that—that's a whole other podcast episode. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's just, yeah, it's that just, is a podcast. It episode. is. It's just a job. I mean, the, the things that I experienced in that moment um, that put all of that into perspective, and I think this is something I still way often of just like this yeah. idea of like it could all be in a moment's notice yeah <laughs> you know so yeah live love hard <laughs> yeah agreed agreed okay all right um let's see another good question now in deep Oof, okay yeah no it's good i like deep. it <laughs> yeah. um what's what's a reason what's a reason uh why people usually fail or give up and how would you suggest they overcome that Oh, I love this. I love this because I actually have a good response for this because I've thought about it. You've a lot. had a good response I've, for everything. You, <laughs> you know, I appreciate <laughs> it. But this one specifically, I will say that I think a lot the, the the reason why a lot of people fail is because people try to over-index towards succeeding. Hmm. So what I mean by that is actually is like you know, the, you know, the idea of like issues, like issue spotting or like the idea of like, oh, I see that over there like that. Or I'm yeah. trying to ride that wave over here. I told you I worked in a mailroom really like for a president. Right. Um, it's a mailroom. <laughs> like you can't even make that like there's no way to dress that up. Sure. For a president. Right. Like, sure. Like, I mean, OK. But at the same time, it's a mailroom. It's one of those things where. I know for a fact, because I've had conversations with people who were like, you worked at a mailroom? Or like, no, nah, I probably would have sat that one out and actually kind of applied to some <laughs> other places and gone to some other places. But there's a very direct relationship between me taking that opportunity, literally, that is a direct line to where I'm at right now. Mm-hmm. Literally. I mean, I like, you know, it, once again, getting deeper, yeah. I could go in and draw all of the parallels and the dimensions from that literal decision where a lot of people were like, you know, turning their nose to it or rolling their eyes, like mailroom to this moment now. So I I think very um, directly people fail because they're also not trying to put themselves in positions to experience the journey and the process of it all, right? Like the idea of what is this, you know, what is this thing in this moment going to help me learn and understand? 
and where what will that do across that spectrum to get me to where I need to go? And so I think a lot of people are looking for the home run every time that they're doing the thing. Do you get what I mean by that? So like instant gratification, that instant gratification that like, oh, I just started, I just started at this job and like, I already want to be a director. I already want to be a VP. I think, I don't know if that's, see, I'm, I'm young. You're young. I don't know if that was a thing with our parents and our grandparents. I don't think it was. I don't think it was to the same extent. I think the, I think that technology has made the world seem, well, it is closer, but seem like everything is accessible all the time. Everything should be something that we should be entitled to have. If that person can have it, why can't I have it? And it's just made people's, like you said, over-index on on success, that that, that the expectations are completely off base. Yeah. And then the last key piece to that, and I said it uh, earlier in this conversation, is resilience. I think there are a lot of people um, who the first hint of, a little bit of opposition, a little bit of um, what seems to look like it would be failure or mm-hmm. it doesn't, you know, the outcome doesn't look like what they expected it to be, that they're ready to hit, hit, head for the hills, you know? And I'm also kind of like, that's maybe times a chip that's on my shoulder that I'm actually yeah. like, oh, I see that opposition or that, 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 yeah, uh, yeah. I see it coming. When people told you let's, that you can't let's go step up uh, to that a little bit, let's see, like, you know, yeah, let's, yeah. you know, let's step up. To that I'm telling bit. you the the people that have chips on their shoulder, that's, I've always said, that's who you want to hire. That's who you want to work with. Like the, the people that want to prove something like they're good. They're yeah. good people. Yeah, yeah, they are the good people. We got some, I mean, you know, at the end of the day, it's like, it's like gas. Um, yeah. When again, my good buddy, I already had mentioned him earlier. Like he jokes all the time. He's like, Chris, you know what I love about you? He's like, you're just like Kobe Bryant. I love Kobe Bryant as a basketball player. God rest his soul and his his, his daughter and the others who perished yeah. from that uh, helicopter crash. But like, you know, this joke of, you know, uh, I react or like, I re- what, what is it? I react to all slights perceived, whether uh, I react to all slights, whether real or perceived, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is this idea that like this chip on my shoulder that like, did yeah. you just say something to me? Yeah, and it's yeah. like no, I didn't. But it's like I'm always oriented on this idea of like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think they, I think they are trying to say something to me, and I think there's a problem there. So uh, it's all jokes, but um, the chips. Man, that's are- why. You, that's why you. That's why you took that that 11 months unpaid, worked in the mail. Like that's why I'm telling you, that's why you did it. It wasn't. It wasn't because you. It's because you had to prove. You had to prove something, and you know, it worked. It worked out. Adversity, man. In my and and, yeah. and then I will say that this is this is so it's f- fascinating uh, in, yeah. in this point. And um, so it's an old book at this point from the early '90s, but the Millionaire Next Door. I don't know if you've ever read it. Um, I haven't actually. That's yeah, a new one for me. You should you should you should read it. Uh, I think I have it. Yeah, it's definitely up here. Um, boy, that book is you know you kind of read it and you initially dive in and you feel like it's another one of those like I don't want to say like self help, but it's definitely yeah, yeah. like initially it comes off like that, but it is precise as it relates to the behaviors of those who are actual millionaires and Mm. there's real data like there's all book is full of data and the book talks about how systematically um what ends up happening is those who become millionaires are often those who have that that grit that determination who don't come from certain types of backgrounds and then they have something to prove yeah. Then there's real specific data that actually talks about how the children, the progeny of these individuals lose all of this because now they're in the mm. situation where they actually have everything they've, you know, and, and that, and that yeah. kind of grind and, and hustle is there. And they actually talk about 
some of the things certain people have done to kind of like act as if, you know, my wife says it all the time. She's like, when we have, whenever we have children, she's like, I'm just going to act as if our circumstances aren't yeah. whatever they will be at that point in time, because I yeah. want them to know, you know, my wife has got a very unique background as well. She comes from very humble beginnings. Um, but she's, she's, she's a legit bad, she's a badass. I'm sorry. I just got to say that my wife, <laughs> honestly, half, half the time cool, what we experience is the fact that we're yeah. actually two of the same people that are like yeah. driven, purposed, uh, pur- purposeful and we have chips on our shoulders. And so yeah. that also keeps me in line because I'm like, I got to always show up. I got to show up and I got to yeah. be, be the biggest and best I can. So. Yeah. Awesome. That's a good answer. I like that a lot. That's a very, very good answer. All right. Um, if you could tell your younger self one thing, what would it be? <laughs> Man, I love these questions. I love these questions. Um, don't internalize so much. Like, I went through, and, and this is fascinating because I love that you even bring this out. We were talking about this before we even started recording this idea, almost like therapy. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Something that a lot of people don't know about me, and I'm, I'm, I'm a very transparent communicator and I'm open when I feel the rapport is there. But um, yeah. I dealt a lot with, I don't want to necessarily say identity issues, but I dealt with a lot with my parents were the, the my whole family is from North Carolina. Uh, Raleigh, Durham area to be exact. Mm-hmm. And uh, I come from a family, historically speaking, from sharecroppers and slaves. I, I know this. And the experiences that many black individuals who have these kind of lineage and understanding, there's this notion of like, what, you know, we want to be very intentional if, if by all means to make sure that our children don't have to experience certain things that we have to experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my parents were very intentional as it related to like the place where they ended up buying a home and they were like, Oh, there's good schools there. And there's this, that, and a third. It's a good, wholesome community and these types of things. Um, and at the time when I moved, I, it's not a secret. Kennesaw, Georgia is a civil war town. Um, mm-hmm. they, they just last year during the black lives matter, George Floyd moment, uh, lowered the Confederate flag from the city hall. This wow. is 2020 that this happened. This made news in the whole Southeastern regional and it was an agent. I didn't realize there was still, I, I didn't realize there was still uh, like public uh, Confederate flags. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, on, yeah. on the books, once again, civil war town on the books, yeah. it is law to have a firearm in your home. You must wow. have a firearm in your home, right? Like obviously no one's coming yeah. going and enforcing. No, no, no. But still yeah. it's like to, to paint the picture. Yeah. Yeah. That's, so this is where I grew up. So, right. So I think you now kind of understand where I may yeah. be going with this. I grew up in this young black man in my uh, you know, early formative years, <clears throat> mostly around white peers, um, not many people that look like me, not many people mm-hmm. that come from my background. And this idea of just the things you experience, right? Like uh, you dress different, you talk different, you brush your hair this way. My wife jokes about that because I bring that up a lot. Um, I dealt with a lot on that spectrum. Yeah. And then, but, but, but at the same time, I, go to a, I went to a black church. Um, I had, you know, black family members. I, you know, my parents uh, um, uh, convened and engaged and had community with other people who looked like mm-hmm. myself and others because my parents were in ministry and, and, and community of faith. Yeah, yeah. Like, but every day I'm going to school with people who don't look like me. And so I had these, motion, these ideas of like the things I need to do to like 
make myself almost like these survival tactics and these like defense mechanisms to like experience it fit all, in, right? To fit in, to, mm-hmm. to, to be accepted, I guess, mm-hmm. right? Is what you're getting at? Yeah. yeah. And the whole yeah. point that I say now to, my, to myself at that point in time is like, be exactly who you are and be proud to be exactly who you are from, from the jump. Both sides of that. To the white community and to yeah. back to the black community. Because, like, the other element of that end is, is, like, when I would go into the black community in my church and things of this nature, I'd get the idea of, like, oh, you talk properly. You know what I mean? Or, like, you dress hmm. a particular type of way. I, you know, and, and all of these types of things. So then you find this, like, you know, where do you fit in? And you find some of these identity issues. And so my parents, uh, God bless them, were very keen on instilling inside of me you know you're a young black man and you're you're strong and you know love yourself and these types of things and i'm very thankful for that and like instilling history you know this notion of ironic this notion of like juneteenth actually now being more of a phenomenon and a thing literally past legislation it's an actual federal holiday recognized my father taught me about juneteenth as a as my, my my brother and i when we were young and so but then you kind of go back into the ecosystem of a civil war town you're being taught about Juneteenth in your household and maybe at the black church that you're going to. But then when you're getting into the school and friends and teachers and all these other things, it's much different. So I was competing and battling on that. How level. did you, how did you, uh, how did you get, how did you get over that? How did you get through that? How did you, how did you rectify your identity? Because obviously your situation is much more difficult than I would assume many people do go through growing up, but still everybody has varying degrees of identity Mm -hmm. issues. So what's the, what's the strategy that you had to get through probably the, one of the hardest identity issues that anybody could really totally deal with in in North America. Yeah. Um, several things, extracurricular activities, (laughs) (laughs) honestly, I mean, this is, I, I started playing sports very heavily. Um, so that was one thing. And so like, you know, obviously the camaraderie and the kind of different yeah. things that you, that you experience with, you know, and friendships that you build. Um, and then I got, I, I would say this is probably around maybe sixth, seventh grade. I just, it almost literally clicked where I went away for a point in time in North Carolina because I used to spend all my uh, summers there. I came back. And I think it always happens, right? It's, yeah. Whether it's puberty or whether whatever it is, you come back and people are like, you look different, you talk different, you look a little <laughs> taller, you got a little yeah. bit of glow behind you. Yeah. So there is that piece. But then this idea that I started to understand, um, because it's like scholastically and things that I was doing mm-hmm. in an academic spectrum, I was always an honor student and an AP student, that I was like, oh, people, people respect whether it be like, you know, the teachers, whether it be like, you know, authoritative figures, whether it be like even peers in the classroom, you know, like, sure, you may have the bullies and like, oh, the nerd, yeah. the nerd, but like, wait, you can actually command attention yeah. when you actually are knowledgeable or when you kind of articulate yourself a particular way and when you know this and that there. And I've always been an avid reader. I love reading. And so I just embraced it around the middle school time frame. I just embraced it as a, like, this is just who I am. Uh, it's just it's just who I who I am, and as I, the reason why I brought in extracurricular is because there were clubs that I was yeah. able to join that reinforced that identity. That like you are still who you are, but you also are a smart person. You actually read books. You actually do yeah. these things and all this stuff. So that's what I'll say. I love that you double down. You double down on what you knew and what you're good at, and then 
everything fell out everything else fell into place it's funny how that works even in even in such a even in such a difficult environment because you know even even in a as a kid in like a in a high school that doesn't have to deal with the things that you dealt with um just doubling down on what what you know and what you're good at always seems to manifest a positive result and always seems to f find your tribe always and that sort of solves that i like, like that you, you just said that fi like yeah. defining your tribe is is critical actually yeah um but you can't do that unless you know what your tribe you can't do that you, yes. you can't be you can't be changing your persona your personality changing your beliefs well not changing your beliefs, changing what you think you should you know put out an imprint onto the world all the time and expect to find people that vibe with you and resonate with you absolutely absolutely yeah. absolutely you know, and I'll say to that one point, though, I think it's a, it's a it's an interesting point that you raise, because for me, I feel like that is actually a part of what my superpower is now, though, that yeah. um, I have been this individual that has had to. So like, like uh, all jokes aside, like I was I was also that young man that was in church five, six days of the week, literally. Right. Like my parents were in ministry. So I'm like, I'm doing you know, I'm usher. I was in the choir. I was at vacation Bible school. I was doing all of these things. You were, you were, you were in it. You were, oh, I you was were in, in it. it. I was in it, yeah. in it, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, this is hilarious things. Um, okay, so then there's that, but then there's like yeah. I'm, uh, you know, a, a black young black man in my black in my black family in the black community, yeah. uh, on the side in terms of the recreational sports that I'm playing in the church. But then I'm also a young black man in this like predominantly white ecosystem, and so culturally speaking, growing up in the southern, you know, yeah. like you just pick up on sensibilities in all of these places. And I think what I would really say, be, be someone that can pick up on signals from all of these environments. Because when you can weave that together, it can really be used tactically. Because yeah. at the end of the day, it's about competency and, and, the idea mm -hmm. that, and the idea of being able to connect with each other, right? Like, I do believe, clearly, with you being a podcaster, in the way that you're facilitating this conversation, you enjoy people and you obviously <laughs> come from, yeah, I could, and, yeah I and also you come from, I believe, I suspect you have a pretty unique background because there's a certain level of empathy and there's a certain level of like, there's, there's something about you that I'm feeling that's like, oh yeah, there's something there. Like, you know what I mean? There's something there. It's like, you're not I'm trying curious. to get your point. I'm, yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm empathetic and and I do, I do love people, but I'm also just very curious. I, I like, I like understanding people, but yeah. I, I like to understand them. And I always want, like, I, I it sounds like so airy fairy, but like, I love <laughs> hearing people's stories, but it always like comes from a place of like, like love and like, and trying to pull out people's stories and, and figuring out their lens. I, there's a word for it. Like when you can look at the world through another person's eyes walk you know walk in their like walk in their shoes is like the action but there's an actual word for it and i can't place it right now but that's what i like to do i just i just enjoy doing it yeah. and i find that it makes me a better person too it makes me a, a more holistic person that understands better human. more people I mean, we, we better both human. said it yeah yeah that's that's really it at the end of the day that's what you got to do like whether or not from a conversation like this I can learn something to do with any of your actual professional accolades, your work, your you know social social uh, 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 what was he social responsibility that you know companies should undertake some of the things you you figured out over your career in terms of grit in terms of you know um, just tenacity all these things like these are all things that yeah I'm te I'm technically teaching through you to the audience that listens 
But if you don't think I listen to these things and I try and understand what makes me the best version of myself as well in terms of my career and my and my personal life, my professional life, that's what I like to get out of it. That's what I yeah. try and I try and pick up on little things yeah. from everybody and just yeah. try and make myself a better person. And that's why, you know, some of these questions, like, yeah, they're they're good questions. They're just questions that I want to know the answer to. I'm just a... <laughs> I just want to figure. I just want to figure stuff out because everybody has an incredible story. It's really it. I, and 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 I love what you said because I feel like this is the major key. I feel like DJ Khaled. It was like the major key. Major to key to, yeah. the, to get to honestly like the commonality. We yeah. experience each other better as humans when we understand each other and we yeah. can see the lens, like you said, see through their lens and understand pers- their perspective. I think we just. Yeah are at our best when that's what we can do and when we can put all that yeah. other stuff aside. Agreed. Um, yeah. And it's been, I think it's even more important than ever. Like, listen, like there's nothing so contentious about you that I have to, you know, stretch to like see the world through, through the way you, your eyes, but like still like over the past two years, like people have become more isolated, more distant than ever, quite literally. Um, okay. And I think that, I think that one thing that as, as humans we have to do more is, is to, try and get back to the point where we were two, three years ago, where we were connected. We weren't isolated. We weren't on us versus them dichotomy. The one thing I always notice coming from Canada is that, and I say this all the time, the, the politics in the U.S. and, and the, the separation between left so and right. So divisive. Oh, my god! It's gosh. insane. It blows my Because in Canada, yeah, you have, you have right wing, left wing, but you have like center right, center left, and that's it. And everything outside of that, people look at you like you have three heads. But th- there is like a there is a huge division, and, yeah. and I think it's gotten. I think, and I think that's probably the the worst thing about you know previous uh-huh. administration has been the fact that it has increased this division. And I think that that increase in the division between people that family members, friends, peers, coworkers, whatever it may be. It's been further emphasized by the fact there's a pandemic and you can't shake hands, grab a coffee, you know, go to lunch with people and everything's just, and, and everybody's stuck on their phones and, and everybody's stuck on social media and they're in this like echo chamber of yep. similar like-minded thoughts. And it's just, it's just bad. This is like a, a, a <laughs> tangent that I speak about quite often. No, but no, like I, I'm, anything I'm that you. I can do to have great conversations with great people. You know what? I can't save the world, but at least it keeps me sane and it keeps me, you know, but you're like, doing your part though. See, this is the thing. Yeah. I mean, it almost kind of really, I extract a little nugget from what you just said, because it's nothing too small to be someone that that's what you want to do and what you want to give back and contribute to this society, this world, because yeah. to the point you just made, that's not where we're at right now in society. hundred percent. We're yeah. in a whole divisive moment of our, of our, yeah. of our existence where it's like, what's the thing I don't like about you? And then like, we kind of center yeah. on that. And for whatever reason, that's how we don't. And it's, um, it's, it's fascinating um, to, to get to this place and see how that politics here in the United States has actually drawn those chasms. Like there, there's just real division um, right yeah. now. It's really, really unfortunate. And I do agree with what you said um, with where our politics are and, and where I think now, I mean, this is what I, once again, I joined the Biden presidential transition to serve yeah. and support this idea that, um, you know, look, once again, you know, it was a Barack Obama, is a Joe Biden, is a Kamala, are these people, you know, are these perfect individuals? No. I want to join teams that are trying to figure this out 
trying to bring out the best of us, trying to bring us together and trying to do the things that we were here to do, which is create access and opportunity. And like, let's all, let's all, let's all enjoy the ride. And so for me, um, once again, I spoke to it earlier, but when you're talking about like his cabinet right now, you have the first native uh, indigenous cabinet secretary over the agency that actually historically has brokered the treaties. Mm -hmm. The Department of Interior, right? You know, you have the first openly gay uh, secretary in Pete Buttigieg, right? At Department of Transportation. You have the first black. I didn't realize there was all these firsts because I'm, I'm, I'm oh, a little bit. I, the I'm not whole as, cabinet. Uh, I'm naive to whole, a lot of it, yeah. The whole cabinet, um, Scott, is, is almost all first. Um, you have the first black man uh, EPA administrator. Um, you, I mean, it, it, it's. You can go on down the line. Of, yeah. of, of it's many too of bad the that it's the firsts are happening in 2021 for a lot of these things. Totally. That's a shame. Totally. That is but, a shame. You know, but yeah. glass half full. It's a, yeah. hey, as my, my, as my, as my father used to say, it's like such a time as this, you yeah, know, that's true. Take, we'll yeah. take advantage of it while we can, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I, a few, well, I think I got like two more. I, I have, okay. these are, these are amazing. You know, some of these questions, like people, people give like one line answers, but the, the stuff that you're sorry, I'm a little, right I'm now, a little, I've, I've been told I'm, I'm a little verbose. So no, like, no, no, you know. no. I would, I, I would tell you if you were going on and this wasn't amazing, amazing life lesson stuff. And I really hope people get some value out of this. And I, yeah. I do yeah, believe I hope they so will. Too. Um, okay. So one person that had a major impact on your life, what lesson did they teach you? Ooh, I got to just come out of the gate and like, yeah. I'm probably going to get the, I don't know who your demo is for your viewership, but like, this is super hilarious right now, but if you're on Reddit, you know, I might just get the simp, simp label, but look, I'm a married yeah, man. Yeah. I've been with my wife now for oh, coming on, well, 15 years now. In Dude, terms if, of I didn't answer, if I didn't answer the question the same way, I'd also, I'd also be in trouble. So you <laughs> right, right. Like, yeah, yeah. You've been married for eight years, but like, you know, like I said, a whole other podcast episode, but uh, my wife is near and dear to me at the highest level because she we actually met at a very kind of low point in my life um Mm -hmm. back in college a very very low point um where i had kind of just kind of gotten a little beside myself um and and less than focused let's just say that and um for her to see see that diamond in the rough understand that like i'll just use myself as an example of what I know that this man is and can be, and then like support him through these this this moment. Um, she she yeah she whipped me back into shape, and so <laughs> honestly, this is like a very she, you know whether she's in the house somewhere and if she's over here and she's probably eye rolling me right now, but no, <laughs> she knows I mean it. Um, she knows that, that 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 she's she's got a dear place in my heart because um, she invested in me in a way in which even at the time I wasn't investing in my own self. And Mm. so that's That's why I want to honor her um, by saying, you know, thank you for that. And she's someone that I care very deeply um, about and for that, for that, for that reason. So, yeah, you gotta, and like I said, I moved to DC for 11 months. This was a pivotal point of my career. I don't, you know, she was sending me $250 a month and that's tough. That's not a lot of money. (laughs) It's not a lot but of money, enough. but I'll tell you, a lot of a lot of uh, <laughs> yep. people would send you zero. So that's what I'm yeah. saying. Like it wasn't a lot yeah. of money, but it was also like it was like it was like whoa. And so, uh, yeah, I, came, I moved to DC a whole whole year and, and a half, and uh, before she even came up here. Um, but yeah, she's she's someone 
um, that I that I very very deeply uh, admire and appreciate. Good, good. Um, what's one resource that you'd recommend people go check out? It could be a book, podcast, Audible, whatever. Man, I love uh, once again. You you dropped one before, but if there's other ones. Oh yeah, the millionaire. Oh, so definitely, uh, definitely yeah. books. Yeah. I so they, they books. I love books. So like I could since you said this is recorded, I got a whole yeah, yeah, yeah. bookshelf of books here, like a tremendous amount of books. Some very very nice. interesting books too. Um, that that I that I actually have up there. Um, I will say that, uh, this is one that I recommend everybody this book right here will illuminate things for everybody uh around black people's experience in this country as it relates to migration and how we've ended up in the places that we have mm -hmm. in the country and experiences of that and isabel wilkerson is a winner of a pulitzer prize a brilliant uh br brilliant author journalist the whole nine um mm. and it is a okay. very much an anthropological read but is uh, fascinating um that's one um and then i also say um i'm a big believer of getting what you need so uh, find your why um you know by simon sinek is, a, yeah. is another good one and I, you know it's, it's, it's a tremendous amount of books but i would actually say a, those are two good recommendations but two completely completely Totally separate topics. Totally separate. I love that. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, yeah. 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 I like I like when people bring in stuff that because you know whenever because of the nature of the podcast, it's like there's a whole bunch I could list like probably like twenty business books that are just like on repeat with with guests mentioning. So thank you for seriously thank you for bringing in some other some other ideas. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that's I'll drop I'll drop links to these in the show notes as well if people want to check them out. Those, I I've never I've never read the first one before. Yeah, I've yeah. I've read I've read Simon Sinek a lot, but I've never read the first. So that that would yeah. be a good read too. Yeah. Um. Okay, and then uh, last last question before I get some uh, some ways for people to reach you because I I want to you know give you some exposure as well. Yeah, um, but what does what does success mean for you? Success to me, success, yeah, looks success to me is when someone asks about me, stranger, family mm -hmm. member, friend, and they say that Chris Upperman, and then they smile. I like That's that. That's all. I That's love what that. Success looks like for me. You can put a smile that. on people's face and they can think positively about you. That's what success looks like for me. Amazing. Okay. And then where do people go to connect with you? Social, website, yeah. email, um, whatever, whatever uh, yeah, you want to Yeah, um, I'm across social media. Um, so, you know, across Facebook, the whole nine. Mm -hmm. um, Instagram, Christopher.Upperman. Um, LinkedIn, I'm on uh, yeah. there. Once again, Christopher Robert Upperman and Twitter, uh, C Upperman. So C-U-P-P-R-M-N. Um, shortened so see upper men um, so they can find me across all of those platforms and, and I do want to do a plug for law champs check us out law champs um, it you know amazing platform um, and involve entrepreneurship as well uh, involve yeah. is uh, uh, involve global.org um, you know these are these are the organizations that I feel very very deeply about um, and, and, and love and 
we talked about Law Chaps today, but honestly, I want to plug it again. It's a great platform, and we want to we want to we want to serve you. If you have some legal needs, you know, check us out. Amazing, amazing. Okay, that's that's it, man. That's uh, that's all I got. That was awesome. That was amazing. <laughs> this is great, Scott. No, thank that you. That was really really this is good. good. I know a lot of entrepreneurs listen to this show and NetSuite has been a huge supporter for entrepreneurs, for business owners, because there's one thing that we all know. Business is about making money and it's about your bottom line. And the less you spend on the nuts and bolts of running your business, the more profits you keep. But these days, everything is costing more. Supplies, people, shipping. It squeezes your margins. And I've been there juggling multiple systems for finance, inventory, you name it, each with its own costs and its own set of headaches. That's why I made the switch to NetSuite by Oracle. It's changed our company. Think about it. NetSuite is one of the top financial systems out there. It puts your whole business on one platform, accounting, finance, the works, one data source for everyone. There's no more mismatched info. And because it's in the cloud, it slashes your IT costs. No more servers, no more updates. Just access NetSuite from anywhere. With one integrated suite, your overhead drops big time. And here's the real win. Efficiency. Everything's connected in NetSuite. Costs are ridiculous lately. Find a proven way to reduce your expenses and get better performance out of your team. It's a no-brainer, and that's what NetSuite offers. Over 37,000 companies have figured this out already. You have to join them. Right now, through to April 15th, NetSuite's got an incredible, flexible financing plan. Check it out and see the savings yourself at netsuite.com slash scottclary. That's netsuite.com slash scottclary. Hiring as a small business owner is a major pain. That's why LinkedIn is supporting today's episode. You need people with the right skills and experience, but finding them can take forever. It is incredibly frustrating to keep seeing candidates who just aren't a good fit, and that's why LinkedIn Jobs has been a game changer. Let me tell you a little story. We needed to hire a graphic designer, somebody with specific tech and software knowledge and the ability to truly understand our brand. And I started with all the usual job boards, and it's the same old story. Tons of irrelevant applications. No one's really matching my needs. I tried LinkedIn Jobs, and the quality of candidates was just on another level. People with impressive portfolios, relevant expertise. I finally felt like I was interviewing the right people. That's truly the power of LinkedIn's massive professional network. You're tapping into this huge pool of talent you simply wouldn't find on other sites. It's about finding those niche candidates you actually need. And with the right people in front of you, hiring becomes a breeze. Did you know that 86% of small businesses find a qualified candidate on LinkedIn Jobs within 24 hours? That is how well their system works. Honestly, do yourself a favor and try LinkedIn Jobs next time you're hiring. You can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash excellence. That's linkedin.com slash excellence. Terms and conditions apply, but it's definitely worth trying out. I don't know about you, but the idea of being harassed, scammed, or even worse, all because somebody found my personal information online, that's terrifying. Our political opinions, our addresses, even stuff about our families, it's out there for anyone to grab. And did you know that data brokers are allowed to sell information on over 98% of Americans? It's scary stuff. That's why I've partnered with Delete Me. I personally use Delete Me. They're a big friend of the podcast because I put myself out there online. So safety is a huge concern. 
word. It's really scary how easy it is to find someone's details and information, but Delete Me creates a layer of protection that we all need. You tell Delete Me what you want gone and they make it disappear from those sketchy data broker sites. And Delete Me doesn't stop. They constantly monitor the web to keep your information off those lists. It's like having a privacy watchdog that never sleeps. You need to take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me. They're giving a special discount for all Success Story podcast listeners. Get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash success and use promo code success at checkout. The only way to get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash success and enter code success at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash success. Hey everyone, I just want to take a second and thank the sponsor of today's episode, Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond Bourbon. Now I don't have a lot of liquor sponsors on this show. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond is actually one of my favorites. I've drank it for a few years now and this is why we actually decided to work together. Heaven Hill Distillery, family owned since 1935, is a great entrepreneur story too. So there's five brothers, they filled their first whiskey barrels back in 1935, and their legacy still lives on today. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond is aged over seven years. That's three more than required by the Bottled and Bond Act of 1897. This means the best quality, the best purity, and the best consistency. This is not just average bourbon. It's the winner of the double gold medals at multiple 2023 World Spirits competitions, and they've won the very prestigious Triple Still Award. It's a very big deal in the liquor and bourbon world. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond boasts an exceptionally smooth oak flavor, while its aroma offers a sweet blend of caramel and smooth vanilla. If you love bourbon, you need to try Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond. Available nationally, look for a bottle at your local store. Heaven Hill reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Think back to your last few days in the office. Did any of them leave you feeling really accomplished? Not the kind of day where you're running around like crazy, but where you've made real progress on something that matters. Because being busy doesn't always mean being productive. And I bet you we've all been there. And maybe it's time to rethink what it means to get things done. Today's episode is sponsored by Belay, and what they help you do is, instead of getting sucked into emails and to-do lists, they help you delegate tasks and focus on big goals. They can connect you with top-notch US-based talent who are ready to take on those time-consuming tasks that bog you down. Let's be real, there are way more important things you could be doing than bookkeeping or wrangling a packed inbox. They have virtual assistants to handle all of those pesky administrative tasks or accounting professional to take care of all your financials. But here's the best part. You don't have to waste weeks searching for the right person. Belay's personalized matching service works quickly, sometimes matching you with the right talent to take stuff off your plate in under a week. Are you ready to try a different way of working? Check out Belay's list of the top 25 things you can delegate to a virtual assistant. It might just change your business and your life. Text success that's s-u-c-c-e-s-s to 55123 to get the list and to start transforming your to-do list with belay 